Hi, Smocky. Speaking. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing good. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing well. No complaints. Cool. Same here. Um, I really appreciate you doing this and taking the time to reconnect with some Laker fans who are interested in what you're doing nowadays. No, absolutely. I greatly appreciate you taking the time and connecting and creating a platform. Yeah, it's been really cool. Uh, I started doing this. Gosh, can't believe it's almost been a year. I guess in October it will be a year. You actually, so I, I'm an identical twin, and uh, my I started this podcast as a huge Lakers fan, and my brother started one for Maverick, former Mavericks, and you were actually you did an episode right. with him several months ago. Right, that's right. I remember. Yeah, we did that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, it's, uh, you're one of the few players that we've both been able to get to talk to that has both Maverick and Laker ties. I know we both did an episode with uh, Chucky Brown. Um, now you, Josh Powell, maybe a couple others. But um, yeah, so it's kind of funny. Oh, Chucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we played a stint stint together in San Antonio. Oh yeah, y'all would have. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, uh, he's he almost played everywhere. I think he was on twelve teams in total. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, sh- hey, journeyman, that's great. Yeah, right. <laughs> he built. I'm sure he built a lot of relationships along the way. Yeah, and he was really cool because uh, he's actually given me a few other guys' numbers uh, to reach out to, and uh, he was really nice. So I enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, Chucky's always been a, and my, you know, dealings with some of the. You know, co-workers, he's been, a, he was always been a down-to-earth, this guy. Cool, you know? cool. Yeah, so, good. I've so, ta- yeah, thanks I've, for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've talked to a few guys that you would have been teammates with uh, from your two years in Los Angeles. Um, Devin George, Tracy Murray, um, Joe Crispin, who was there Murray. briefly your first year in L.A. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And then I even talked mm-hmm. to a couple guys who were in that preseason uh, in training camp your first year in L.A. I did an episode with Peter Cornell um, just about his hey, Lakers stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he Damn. was really nice. He's a, a real estate agent out in Los Angeles now. Um, but, you know, he does like commercials and he's been in a couple movies and he had stops all over the world. And one of them was just that training camp. So he, he shed some light on his training camp experience with the Lakers. Wow, Big P. Yeah, no, he was that was my guy. He was uh, another one of those guys that this cool guy. So yeah, I'm glad yeah, he's doing well. Yeah, he's doing really good. And um, also talked to Paul Shirley, who was in that same camp. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's been fun getting to hear about. The, and I'm trying to nail down a date and time right now with Gennaro Pargo. We just got in contact the other day. Pargo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he bring, yeah, he bring back some memories now, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so what are you doing uh, that's keeping you busy nowadays? I know a lot of Laker fans uh, would be interested to hear what you're up to. I uh, actually started my, other than being a stay-home father, you know, after playing so much basketball and traveling, you know, I don't, after I left the NBA after 10 years, I went abroad, played in China, Korea, Russia, played all over. So, you know, I was missing a lot of time with the family and things of that nature. So after retirement, which I retired in 012, mm-hmm. um, wanted to spend some time with the family and just, uh, you know, relax a little bit. And so, um, you know, right now I, 
other than being a stay-at-home dad, I started my own player development business about five years ago, which yeah, cool. keeps me connected to the game. You know, I love the um, teaching the game probably as much or even more than I love playing it. I've, and so it, it's it's uh, I've been pretty blessed to be able to uh, stay connected with the game. Uh, you're talking about being a stay-at-home dad. How many children do you have? Five boys. Five oh, my girls. goodness. You have five boys and five girls? Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. You must be busy. I'm extremely busy. You can imagine. It don't stop. No, yeah. I have three. And I have three kids, two boys and a girl. And, uh, yeah, and so I just do this kind of in my spare time once everyone's asleep. So I can't imagine what spare time you have with 10. But, no, that's great. Congratulations. Thank you kindly. <laughs> um, do any of them play basketball? Actually, I my son just my oldest just just graduated. I mean, I've just <clears throat> he's a freshman at Cleveland State this year. His name is Debaji Walker. Look out for him. Six seven lefty, you know, is silky smooth, you know, pretty athletic. Started mm-hmm. playing late. Started playing late. Came on, uh, but he's he's hungry, and he's uh he's making his name, you know, very quickly. So, uh, you know, everybody plays, you know. Sports, athletic, basketball, and volleyball has been very uh, kind to us. You know, I think everybody will go on a scholarship. Uh, wow. You know, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, I got two girls, 6'5", uh, you know, 6'2". Actually, I'm in a parking lot getting ready to go in and watch my daughter play shortly after this. Mm-hmm. And um, volleyball, she's already been recruited by, you know, schools from over, all over the country as a sophomore. So, you know, for me, man, I'm like I said, you can understand why, you know, I'm dedicating so much time to just being staying home, um, you know, being active with the family and getting a chance to enjoy fatherhood. You know, if I've always wanted, you know, a big family, I'm the youngest of seven. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm at peace. Uh, you know, I'm just an everyday guy now. Yeah. Uh, I look back on my career and I got a chance to play with some great players throughout my, my basketball career. And, uh, you know, I want to ring, you know, I can imagine a you know, little kid, you know, wanting to play, you know, the NBA, watching Magic Johnson, who was my favorite player. Uh, never imagined in a hundred thousand years that I would be a Laker, yeah. alone in the NBA at all. Uh-huh. So uh, I've been very fortunate. And like I said, afterwards, I went to play abroad. So basketball has been, is an incredible platform. That's how it was taught to me. And I never envisioned myself being uh you know, a star, anything like that. Um, the game was introduced as a platform, you know, to be able to vehicle to go to college and do other things. And, you know, basketball is literally taking me around the world. So, it, you know, mm-hmm. I consider it a huge, a huge success. I don't know what other people view as success, but for me, success is, is being able to, uh, you know, travel the world and meet people and see things that, you know, get outside of your comfort zone. And basketball has been that, it's been that vehicle, you know, and uh, so I'm, I'm very thankful, honestly. No, that's great. Yeah, I mean, just talking about all the blessings it brought you and uh, everything you're able to accomplish in your in your career is really cool. Especially, um, you mentioning getting, you know, growing up a Magic Johnson fan and a Lakers fan. Um, so after you spent your first five years, three with Dallas, two in San Antonio, summer of 2001, you're a free agent. Uh, what was the process that led to your decision to sign with the Lakers? Well, I got a phone call. It was interesting. 
um, you know, I was sitting in my basement and got a phone call from uh, Shaq, Kobe, uh, and Magic. Uh-huh. All, like, within a two-hour span, a couple-hour span, and um, I was, you know, thrown back, you know, off of the fact that, you know, they wanted me to come to L.A. and, and uh, fill the role that Horace Grant had originally filled. And so, you know, I was honored, you know, mm-hmm. to be... Uh, Horace Grant is one of my all-time power forwards. He and Robert Ory, you know, as mm-hmm. role players. You know, I was just writing down who my favorite role players were at the power forward position, and those two are at the top because of what they've been able to do for their teams, even on multiple teams. And so um, it was huge, you know. From It was a big, big role to fill. You know, Horace was 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 great defensive player, uh, knew how to, to keep Shaq uh, uh pressure off Shaq by with the 15 footer and things of that nature. So uh, he was a guy who I studied, you know, heavily. Um, but I was, I was, I was honored, you know, that I, we understand the Lakers purple and gold, man, the history yeah. that comes along with uh, this franchise. And for me to have a stint um, of playing with, you know, the likes of the Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal's, you know, I'm very fortunate. Were you considering any other teams at that time before you got the call from Kobe and Shaq and Magic? Yeah. Um, actually, I actually had other offers. I want to say Orlando, who offered more money. There are other teams that offered more money, but, you know, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was uh, never about the money. Did you have any experiences with Shaq beforehand? Like, uh, or did you know him pretty well, or did it feel like kind of an out-of-the-blue call? I didn't. It was it was out of the blue, and uh, I mean everybody knew Shaq. Those personalities always, you know, cool guy. But I never got a chance to know him personally. Um, but I did get a chance to hang with him being a Laker, and uh, build you know a, a cool bond. Um, you know, very down to earth guy. He took me around in in Jersey and showed me his hometown a little bit. Got a chance to see. Uh, some of the stuff that he did, you know, for his family members and things of that nature. So, um, so Shaq was a, you know, he was, he was a real, I call a real dude. Mm-hmm. You know, hear people say that, uh, but, um, big joker as well. So, you know, he kept the, the energy around the locker room fun and, you know, it was a incredible workplace to come and, you know, and, and with all the, the goals that we had, no, it, it it really wasn't. Uh, they did a good job of between Shaq and Phil of making sure that uh, there was no real pressure, which is amazing considering this mm-hmm. is a team that was going for a three peat. Yeah, and uh, you know, it fit right in. You know, it was an amazing uh, fit. You know, for me, for what I was able to do, being the defensive player, a guy with the bulk factor. You know, Robert Ory would come in and spread the floor and and um, do things of that nature. And I thought my role was to especially guard the bigger power forwards, you mm-hmm. know, like the Tim Duncans and things of that nature. And so uh, it was, like I said, man, it was, <laughs> I look back on it and, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, that first year, your first year in L.A., uh, I remember you guys got off to a great start. I, why, I think you won like 16 of your first 17 games. And uh, we're riding high. And then I know there was Shaq was going in and out of the lineup with injuries. 
a few other guys got hurt as well. And there were some, you know, low points this season. I remember, uh, you know, losing to some teams you probably shouldn't have lost to, who some of the worst teams in the league. But then um, you guys kind of put it together going towards the playoffs. Uh, you sweep Portland in the first round. You beat San Antonio in five. And then you had that classic series with the Kings in the 2002 Western Conference Finals. <laughs> um, you know, it's a series that a lot of people still talk about. Uh, Laker fans like to remember, you know, game four with Robert Ory. Uh, the Kings like to remember, you know, maybe some games where they felt there was questionable officiating. Uh, what do you remember most about that series? Besides that miraculous <laughs> three-pointer you hit that was actually <laughs> after the buzzer in game four, but the, they chose to count it. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that was no. There was no instant replay at the time, right? Yeah, and uh, and if you look at it in live play, I mean, that was a tough call. Like it wasn't a clear cut call. I mean, oh no, yeah, you released it like a fraction of a second late. Yeah, it was really close. Right. And um, but um, I I hey, it was the toughest basketball experience that I ever had. That's how I describe it. You know, the pressure, uh, the uh, the opponents, you know, the who were just as prepared as we were and probably a better team, you know, that year, honestly. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, so it, it um, we had two, <laughs> the two best players in the NBA, you know, who we obviously we could go to it any time the bell is out, but um, they deserve, you know, to 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 win that, to win a, a series, to win a championship. So they they had an incredible year, and the year that they had, it reminds me of what Golden State was doing, you know, mm-hmm. sort of that year, how dominant they were, you know, and how efficient their offense was. I mean, they were beating teams with ease, and so. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty intense man. Uh, <laughs> I remember cowbells. Yeah, in, in Arca Arena. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, but, no, overall, man, it was just a great experience, you know, of elite athletes at the highest level. And we, mm-hmm. you know, um, have the opportunity to, you know, be there, you know, as a player. And, uh, I mean, I can't say enough of, you know, just looking back now of you Talk about the names that was on that floor to show Till O'Neill's, the Vladi Divots, the Robert O'Reilly. I watched Vladi when he was a Laker with Magic. Mm-hmm. And so to be a part of that in the moment, actually, I kind of got caught up. I think, honestly, I'll keep it real, it was too big for me. Really? You know, that's how I felt. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was too big. I think I remember suffering a, um, something, a knee injury that I don't know where it came from. And to this day, I still think it was stress. Oh, yeah. You know, to the point to where, yeah, it affected, you know, everything. But it was a big moment, you know, that um, you dream about. But that NBA logo is out there and then the big lights are on and you you play against a team like that. I mean, it's it's pretty intense. No, that's interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard anybody at least be you know, express those types of feelings, or at least maybe they weren't honest about it. Um, you know, right. feeling the pressure and, uh, I'm sure that happens to a lot of guys, but 
uh, oh, talking no, because I didn't perform well at all. Because I and it was strictly it was too big. You know, let's go keep it real. You know, I mean, I'm a competitor. You know, I love the game, but you know, I'm not. My ego is not to the point where you know, I'm a lie to myself. It is what it is, and I think that the fans deserve to get a peek inside of our heads to really understand, you know, what <clears> it's like. And so, hell, I mean, shh, it was hard for me to breathe. I was focusing on breathing, you know, and wow. But to be in the moment as a player and a fan at the same time, you know, it, it was just, shit. you know, I, I still, when I think about it, you know, I, the adrenaline pumps, you know, because I think when you experience something like that in life, whether it's a, you know, uh, something that happened, you almost get hit by a car or something that, you know, you just, you remember, I, I can still feel that energy, man, of that, that playoff series, it was crazy. I remember <laughs> nothing about Jersey, I'll be honest. I can't oh, remember yeah. <laughs> anything about Jersey. Nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. <laughs> I think it's kind of the NBA finals of the last, you know, maybe twenty years that probably both those New Jersey finals when they played y'all and when they played the Spurs, that maybe it's because it was, you know, a smaller market and whatever that people kinda gloss over. I mean, everyone acknowledges the three P, but not so much the no one really talks about the New Jersey series. Also, you guys swept them, so it wasn't that exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is no, yeah. It was just yeah, and emotionally there was no connection. You know, yeah. we've seen Shaq and Kobe just take over. It was, it was obviously what was going to happen. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I'm very fortunate though, man, to have worn a Laker uniform and be a part of, you know, you know, a great franchise. You know, it wasn't all good. It was, you know, I had my, my days as well. You know, when I was getting ready to get traded, released, you know, you know, I, were they going to trade you yeah. your first year or their second your second year? No, actually, it was they just didn't re, it was resigned. I think. Oh, the, okay. The Carl Malone thing was already in the the making, I believe. Yeah. I didn't have no idea in the beginning um, mm. that you know Carl was in the mix, but you know I feel okay after you know they replaced me with Carl Malone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, my feelings were hurt, but I felt a little bit better. That you know, hey, I came in, I replaced a guy named Horace Grant, and got yeah. replaced by Carl Malone. So shit, I mean, what can you say? It's funny you bring up Horace Grant again. That he was one of your, you know, heroes, and you he had two Lakers stints, but they were separated by the years that you were there. So you just missed getting to be his teammate. Right, that's right. Because he came, he came back. Yeah, the same year with Carl Malone. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I think he got hurt. Like he and Carl both got hurt, so they're out the majority of the year. Um, but yeah, so just getting back to that, um, 2002 Western conference finals versus the Kings. I know you said it was like a big moment for you and that you had started the majority of the year, but at that point they had brought Robert Ory back to the starting lineup and were bringing you off the bench. Um, but, uh, that game four, we talked about your three pointer a little bit just before halftime. But then just just the way that game ended, can you describe just like the mood in the locker room? Was it more relief or happiness that you guys tied it up at 2-2? Or uh, what was that like in the locker room after Ori's three? Well, I can tell you we were a team that definitely (laughs) uh, felt relief. Mm -hmm. And, you know, listen, 
this team was up 25 points on our home floor. And they did it pretty easily. I mean, it wasn't it, it wasn't hard. No, it happened so, so fast. They, yeah. yeah, it happened yeah. out of nowhere. I mean, they jumped on us and didn't look back. Yeah. And I mean, hell, I mean, look at the, the I mean, Mike Bibby, I mean, my God, he was a Hall of Famer. That mm-hmm. year. <laughs> you know, if, if you could just end his career with that series, he'd be Hall of Fame first ballot. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, we we were lucky to escape, and I thought that it changed the momentum. It not only awoke us up, but I think it made them feel uneasy because the fact that that was probably one of their best their best game against us, and mm-hmm. we took their best blow and we came back, and to end it in dramatic fashion like that, as you can see when we went back to um, even when we went back to Sacramento, I thought they should have beat us in Game Seven. They blew it. They hit some oh, yeah. free throws miss, down the end. Yeah. yeah, lots of free throws. I think they were like fifth. They, I was talking about this with Chucky Brown because he was on the he was on the Kings that year as you know uh, end of the bench guy. But he he brought up I think they were fifteen of thirty from the free throws that game. Yeah, like it was yeah. unbelievable. I mean, Pager was missing missing them badly. Mm-hmm. So that that's that pressure that I was talking about. I mean, I thought that game seven, everybody felt the pressure. I mean. That's why I you lucky you have a Kobe in the shack. That's when a Kobe in the shack when at that level, that's when you're like, okay, we're okay. And I'll be yeah. Kobe and Shaq. You know, because <clears throat> I mean it was um I mean look, it went tit for tat, you know, the whole series. Uh could have easily been Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they deserve they played well enough to win the series. Um but it it's to describe what happened that game, I mean, it was nothing short of amazing, you know, considering the shot, how it happened. I mean, I don't want to say the shot motivated us at halftime because, hell, well, we was only but a bug. We were still down 20 points. Yeah. So, um, but I thought that just the Lakers, the way they trained, and I say they prior to me because it's personality that Phil developed with this team of just, they never were rattled. I've never seen these guys get rattled, ever. Mm-hmm. And they always felt they can come back. And maybe to a fault, you know, that's why, going back to your point, where you said they lost, we lost to some teams that we shouldn't have lost to because the motivation wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I thought that that opportunity, I mean, that situation put us in this, in a in a predicament in which you were going to get the best of Kobe and Shaq and uh, the best of the Lakers. And it was amazing what we did that second half, the energy. I mean, just like mm-hmm. they did us the first half, the second yeah. half we flipped the script. Except <laughs> we ended it ended it in dramatic fashion. I mean, how how cool is that? Yeah, that was uh, – I remember I was, I was a freshman in high school that year and, uh, you know, watching that game probably in either my Kobe jersey or my Shaq jersey – and when that shot went in, just like running down the street screaming, it was, I mean, I'm you know lifelong Lakers fan, even though I'm from the Dallas area. But that's uh, one of my all-time favorite memories for sure. Just a game that I could say, you know, I wasn't there, but I saw it on TV, and I still remember it vividly. But that year, so you're just talking about you know the frustrations you guys were feeling and the uh, lack of motivation throughout the year. Uh, obviously, everyone knows all the you know the history of the Kobe Shaq feud for that. Those two years you were there, there were no big public blowups like there were in previous years or in the year after that. 
but uh, was it something that you guys could always kind of sense in the locker room that there was going to be tension between Kobe and Shaq? Because it, it wasn't talked about a lot publicly those last those two years you were there. But I wanted to you know get an insider's point of view. Well, obviously, you know they won two championships prior going in, going into the third championship, and you know it's it's tough. It's tough to win one ring and you got a team you're trying to keep motivated to win their third championship and after they've been so dominant and I think that um, look you they were able to do it and credit Phil to be able to take two totally different personalities in the Shaq and a Kobe and get them to be able to blend together to win multiple championships so when you take that into consideration, that's, you know, that's amazing. Uh, Kobe, mm-hmm. who's a tireless worker, a guy who gets in practices before we, the team practice. You know, Shaq, who's probably the most dominant, who doesn't have to do much, and who probably knows that regardless of what he does, he's the one guy in the NBA who knows every night, regardless, there's going to be a mismatch, which is amazing. I can't imagine that, to have that kind of confidence <laughs> that security blanket to know in advance every night you're the mismatch. Yeah. You know, so, um, but <clears throat> when I got there, you know, it was already, you know, already, I guess, tension going on at the time, a little tension and, uh, but they handled it well. I thought we didn't see any negativity in the locker room or anything like that. I personally didn't, um, Whenever, you know, I seen anyone mad was Kobe when we lost, but mm-hmm. it was never geared towards any individual or anybody like that. So, you know, honestly, it was kept well under the wraps, you know, between really? those two. Yeah. You know, very well. I think Kobe would um would be frustrated more at the team because of what you mentioned earlier, those games we lost. You know, Kobe wants to put his foot on everybody's neck, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, no nights off where, you know, the Lakers, the personality was so that, hey, we'll coast into this thing as it becomes closer to playoffs, we'll pick it up. And, uh, you know, they were able to do that, you know, so um, didn't always go well with Kobe, but, you know, he did well with adjusting, you know, to the teammates and things of that nature. I thought that he got a a bad rap, but I don't think that, you know, he was um, bad as what people tried to make him out to be. Well, no, that's good to hear just as a, you know, someone who's been a lifelong Lakers fan and then a Kobe fan as well. Um, a lot of guys have said that, that they think a lot of the, you know, the teammate stuff was probably blown out of proportion a little bit. You know, the you know, different stories that reporters like to throw out there. Uh, and I know last year, I guess maybe two years ago now, you were doing an interview where you talked about an altercation between you and Kobe. Um, so do you think that kind of stuff is, you know, pretty common on every team or is it just magnified playing for the Lakers? Um, I think it's common on every team, you know, and um, I didn't expect that story to blow up like that. In fact, <laughs> I was under the impression that everyone already knew because it did come out in a and a, a Laker uh, newspaper mm-hmm. and it you know I had been questioned about it before 
But I never took into account that, okay, it's Kobe's retirement year, and I guess the guy asked the right question at the right time, which, you know, the thing blew out of proportion. But, um, listen, Kobe is, you know, was the ideal teammate. I mean, he was a hard worker. I enjoyed coming in and watching him practice and learning from him. Um, he was, I mean, the, you know, the epitome of a tireless worker. Um, I think that, you know, everything, like I said, was blown out of proportion as far as the whole Kobe and Shaq thing. I've personally never seen anything. Uh, but I do think that altercations happen in practice all the time. Listen, they're intense. Yeah. You're talking about guys who are giving up their lives. This is a gladiator sport in which, you know, we compete at a high level. Um, a sport in which when you're good, people love you. When you do bad, you know, people hate you. And, uh, so you can imagine that a lot of us players, you know, probably during the course of a year go through some kind of little crisis because of the nature of, of how the sport is 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 played. So <clears throat> you're going to get guys angry at each other. We go hard at each other. Guys like Kobe, very competitive, uh, who even in practice, you know, want to destroy you. Um, yeah, you can imagine that it gets pretty intense. But um, I think for the most part, you don't hear a lot of stories like that because players do a really good job of controlling their tempers. I mean, players don't get enough credit because this is a sport with a lot of emotion and a bunch of highs and lows. And it's easy to, to carry that emotion over. But players are trained, you know, from an early level to learn how to deal with this. And for the most part, I think we do a good job. Cool. Interesting. Um, I want to ask a quick question about your second year in LA, 2002, 2003. Um, I know the beginning of the year Shaq was out and I think y'all guys, you, you may have even been one game under 500 at the all-star break, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the second half, you guys had a really strong year, ended up winning a really strong second half of the year. Uh, I know Kobe had that streak of like nine straight 40 point games. Um, that kind of put you guys back in the playoff picture. You ended up winning 50 games, going 50 and 32, uh, beat Minnesota in the first round. And then that second round, you face the Spurs again. But this time the Spurs have home court. They win the first two in San Antonio. You guys come back and win two in L.A. Then that game five, uh, you guys were down, I, I want to say it was like 20 or something going into the fourth quarter. Um, come all the way back, game's final possession. You guys are down to get the ball to a wide open Ori on the wing. And I've never seen a ball go that far in and pop out as that game five miss that Robert Ori had versus Spurs. Um, do you re- <laughs> do you remember that shot? And like, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I can, I, like, I swear you can watch the replay and it, the ball goes like ninety nine point nine percent in the basket, like halfway down. I've never seen that the way it came back out. Uh, Man, yeah, but uh, did did you guys? I mean, just obviously as a professional athlete, you're going to have a lot of confidence in any and everything but that that whole season that whole playoff did you feel like uh, the team was going to win their fourth straight or were you thinking this was going to be you know just a matter of time before somebody knocked you off well there was no reason to feel that way you know you talk about a team who won three straight and who felt like you know I had every right to be confident um 
they are, like I said, this Laker team always felt like, okay, we can coast through the regular season and the playoffs, we could turn it up. I mean, granted, you know, Shaq got back in shape and things, but, you know, that was the year he injured his big toe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, and uh, put on a lot of weight, and it took him a while to get back. And so that's where the I think the disgruntlement with the Shaq and Kobe thing became more, um, um, you know, obvious because of when Shaq was getting back into it, obviously he wasn't the, the Shaq that people were accustomed to seeing it in the beginning. And... Um, <clears throat> But at no time did I think that we feel like we were going to lose. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was a little pissed off personally because I felt like the first year we beat the Spurs, I thought I played a, a really great job on Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Phil decided to start Rob on Tim Duncan in that series. Mm-hmm. And which I didn't think Rob could guard Tim Duncan like myself. And I thought that was crucial, crucial in that series. You know, mm-hmm. and so for me, I was personally frustrated. And so, you know, as a competitor, you know, just sure. from a defensive standpoint, you know, if that was my role and I felt like, you know, the physicality of playing with San Antonio, understanding Tim Duncan, his, his moves, I thought that I could give him, who was obviously their star player, you know, more of a, of, of <clears throat> I guess, a, some, I guess, yeah, just better defense in the low post. That was mm-hmm. my role. You know, and that's what I brought to the table. But uh, I'm not saying that's what, you know, lost it, but I think that me personally played a huge impact, you know, on the what because Tim Duncan destroyed us. Yeah, I'm watching that series and, you know, researching for this episode a little bit, looking back at those stats of that 03 series versus Spurs. Yeah, I think Tim Duncan closed it out with like 36 and 15 when they closed it out in game six back in LA and uh, kind of ended that chance at a four peat. So, yeah, definitely. That was, um, you know, a rough series to watch just from a Lakers fan perspective of, you know, getting used to watching you guys play in the finals every year to being knocked out in the second round and not really knowing what the future holds because, like you said, you left and they bring in Gary Payton and Carl Malone. And just a, you know, more or less a completely different team the next year. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting yeah. going back. I know it was Robert's, you know, contract year was coming up again, too. And I knew that, you know, the, you know, politics happens sometimes. And I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, I feel like, you know, that they were going to play Rob and and <clears throat> see where, you know, uh, I don't think that they put him in the best situation against Tim Duncan. I didn't think mm-hmm. that was ideal, you know, from that standpoint. And I think that, you know, from a business standpoint, you know, that's how you lower people's value. And uh, I think it cost us, you know, I still believe that to the day. I think it cost us, you know, um, uh, that series, you know, Rob was going to spread the floor and he was a high IQ player. He, you know, he ran things smoothly. He was the perfect guy to have on your team um, to be able to, to, to on any team, you know, Rob is your ideal guy. Again, he's one of my favorite players, but when it came down to low post defense and a guarding a guy like Tim Duncan, there's no doubt about it that I should have been playing. Yeah, definitely agreed. 
Um, so you're talking about your just what you're doing now, your player development coaching, and um, everything you got going on with your ten kids. Uh, but are you still an avid fan of basketball? Do you follow any particular players or teams? I do. I'm a fan of basketball, you know, period. But <clears throat> not necessarily of one particular team. Um, you know, Magic was my favorite player, and the Lakers were my favorite team because of Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I've studied the game. Obviously, the game has changed and has gone through, um, um, you know, a change in which, you know, the overseas style of play has had a huge effect on the American style of play in this era. And um, I'm just very fortunate to have witnessed basketball on all levels, um, playing at the highest level and being able to play abroad. And so, <clears throat> yes, now, man, I'm just um, enjoying life, enjoying my kids, enjoying my family, and that's it. Well, I don't have any major things that I feel like I need to accomplish. You know, I've done a lot in my young life. Mm-hmm. And so I put myself in a situation where I can sit back and just enjoy. And I'll, you know, recalibrate and see what I want to do, you know, a couple of years from now when the kids graduate and and they're gone and, so after that, I'm, I'm, I'll still be young, and I'll figure some things out as far as what I want to do. But more than likely, I'll still be connected with basketball. Cool. That's great to hear. Uh, well, I got one last question for you. I like to end each episode um, with a little Lakers trivia question for the former Lakers that I'm talking to. So right. I'm looking at the uh, complete roster for your first year in L.A., there are 15 names, including you, guys who played in at least one game for the Lakers that year. <laughs> How many of those can you wow. name? Wow. Let's see. You got Kobe, Shaq. You got Rick Fox. You got Robert Ory, Derek Fisher. You got uh, George, D. George. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let me see. We got, um, oh man, Brian Shaw. <clears throat> um, again, T Murray. He was your second year. Oh, you said my first year. Yeah, yeah, sorry, okay. your first year. First year, first year. Um, okay, Slava Medvedenko, Mark yeah. Madsen. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Now, my first year. You're missing five Samaki guys. Sama- five guys. Now, Samaki Somalia, Somalia Samaki, he was my second year, right? That's correct, Did yeah. He, he, he okay. turned down my podcast invite. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Damn, Samakis. Yeah. Um, um, Let's see. Let me see. We had, oh, Janelle Pargo. He was your second year, too. Second year. Wow. Oh, man. Let me see. Um, let's see. Tracy Murray. Tracy Murray's my second year. Um, wow. Sheesh. Two of them were you know, there for maybe the first month or so and got cut, if that's a hint. Oh, my man, too. I forgot. Jelani McCoy. 
Yeah, yeah, Jelani McCoy. Um, let's see. Two of them got cut. Cristel Parker was my senior year. Big Pete. Uh, he was there just for training camp. Okay. He, he, wow. he didn't make the regular season, yeah. It was a guard. Now, Joe Now Joe was there for training camp. And he, he was there for, you were talking about Joe Crispin? Yeah, Joe Crispin. Yeah, he was there. Uh, I think he played maybe six games before he got cut. So, yes, he is one of the 15. Got you. All right. And, oh, man, I think he might have gave it to me earlier, too. Wow. That's it. I think that's it. <laughs> uh, well, there's oh, a few goodness. more. There's a few more. Well, there's a similar to Joe Crispin. He was cut early as Mike Penberthy. Mike, yes. I did an episode with him. He was really nice. Um, oh, you're gonna you're gonna be pissed about these last two because you should have known him. One of them, uh, Lindsey Hunter. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> and don't tell me Mitch Richmond. Mitch Richmond, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking this is my second year. Okay. I'm 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 thinking Tracy Mitch and Lindsay were the second year. No, no, they're all uh Tracy was the second year, but Mitch and uh, Lindsay were your first year. They both won that ring with you. Wow, that's right. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> so so Tracy didn't win one with us. No, he won one with the Rockets with Hakeem. Um, but uh, he no he was he oh. he was only on the Lakers that one year uh, when y'all got knocked out by San Antonio so he didn't win a ring with the Lakers. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Yeah, well, no, you, did, you did. A lot of guys missed more than you know too. So you you did really good on your uh, on your Laker trivia question. I appreciate it. <laughs> Not the rock, Mister Rock. Yeah. You, um. Well, obviously, he didn't play a lot that year, but I, I thought it was so cool that I don't. You might remember this from New Jersey. I know you said you don't remember anything from the finals, but uh, the Lakers put him in at the end of Game Four with like a minute left for his first time in the finals, and he scored. Uh, and he held the ball as the clock ran out, and that was his last game. So that was really cool. Wow, hey, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, Mitch was Mitch was that guy for sure. Well, thank you very much for uh, for coming on, Samaki. I know you got to go run to your daughter's volleyball game, so I'll let you get to that. But um, you know, I appreciate everything you did for the Lakers franchise back in the day, and thank you for coming on the Forgotten Lakers podcast. Thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it.